Welcome to the EchoCast. I am Bon, and I am here to chat with you about video games, gaming, news, speculation, and much more. This week, we'll be talking about multiple game showcases and my thoughts about them, issues with the Division 2's new content, possibly a big update from Mass Effect, and seriously, a whole bunch more. This is going to be a long show, probably. A few things before we get into that show. Thank you to the supporter level patrons, PK, Manmade Golf, The Dawn, Cage Nephilim, and a special thanks to our producer level patron, Hassan. If you are interested in supporting the show, my other content, and getting some extra perks, please check out patreon.com slash Diesel. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, and if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please rate the podcast. On YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like the video, and comment down below with your thoughts, questions, or just for the algorithm. All of those things help this podcast get put in front of more people's faces. Okay, gaming news. Ubisoft Forward will be our first stop. So there was a E3 of sorts this week. It was really interesting. I would honestly say that this week was a more notable um, week in gaming news than even like the actual E3 week or the Summer Games Fest week or whatever you want to call it. Um, It was pretty significant. So um, let's talk about it. We had Ubisoft Forward, Nintendo Direct, and the Sony State of Play. Uh, for the, the division fans, we also did have a special stream. We'll talk about that later. Um, I, I, I'm not going to talk about every single game and every showcase. Um, I, I just don't have uh, the I, I, I need to care about the stuff to talk about it. Um, so while it is gaming news, even if I don't care about it, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> so um, let's start with Ubisoft Forward. Uh, that was last Saturday. I'm recording this on Friday, the 16th of September. Uh, so the notable things to me uh, was obviously the division. There was, um, it, it was kind of interesting. There was this um, tweet put out by the official division account being like, hey, uh, the Ubisoft Forward is going to have information about the division too, about Heartland, about Resurgence. And I think justifiably there were a, you know, people were excited. Um, and then the, the, the show started and it got to this and it was all of what, like two or three minutes long, the whole, for all three games. Um, you know, basically with division two, it revealed that just a few days later and, uh, this past Tuesday, uh, season 10 would begin. Um, and then we'll talk about that. Um, with heartland, they had a, a little, um, you know, segment with one of the lead devs. Uh, it's actually Keith. Um, if you remember him, he works at Red Storm. Uh, he uh, was on multiple um, state of the games for Division Two, their weekly podcast thing. Um, he's awesome. Keith Evans is very, very cool. He's a great guy, and I'm very happy he's working on that game. But they didn't really show us or tell us anything. <laughs> so, um, that was kind of a bummer in my opinion. I think that they, uh, people still don't really know what this game is and they haven't really talked about it. So, and then I think they gave the most time to resurgence, the mobile game. So, um, yeah, it was fine. 
but here we are. Uh, the the biggest thing in this show for sure was the Assassin's Creed uh, section uh, that with the the largest or the most amount of attention going to Assassin's Creed Mirage. Um, so there's a character from Valhalla named Basim. Um, I actually even though I didn't like Valhalla, but I did like that they were actually trying to like directly introduce the Assassin's Order. Uh, and Basim and another person I forget what their name was in Valhalla was. Um, you know, representatives of the assassins uh, who were with, you know, like with you and, and training you and stuff like that. And um, you're going to be playing as Basim 20 years earlier when he was becoming an assassin uh, in Iraq and in, in, uh, in ancient Iraq, which is super exciting. Um, I think that'll be uh, very cool. And the big hubbub about this is that it's supposed to be like a return to the roots of the franchise. It's going to be um, stealth based. It's going to be all about like assassinations and all of the climbing and parkour and all of that stuff. Um, and, and no RPG mechanics. It's not going to be a hundred hours long. It's supposed to be, I think like a 15 or 20 hour experience. It's, um, it sounds good. I liked origins a lot. I was okay with Odyssey. It was too long, but it was really good. So I didn't mind. And then Valhalla, I got like 10 hours into and I just, I didn't like the characters. I, I didn't, I just didn't like it. So Mirage is exciting. They also showed J Jade, which is going to be set in China, I believe. Um, that's going to be a mobile game though, uh, which some people are a little leery about. And then they showed um, Red and Hexe. Um, the Red is going to be based in Japan, but it's going to be a like a odyssey and valhalla type of game it's going to be a big rpg and it's going to be that experience the hex they didn't really say they basically just alluded to um there's been rumors about like uh like like, like the, the the witch hunt era um and it, it might it's probably going to be about that and like assassins in that time which could be super cool. I, I and it, and they they've really been big about like it's not going to be like other experiences. So there is at least some expectation or thought that it's going to be like maybe more of like a horror or like a thriller type game. Maybe it's going to be something like Mirage where it's going to be a like more um you know uh, like a like a 15 or 20 hour game that's going to be a very directed experience rather than this like 80 hour RPG open thing. So we'll have to wait and see. There was just a hair of controversy this week about the, the Assassin's Creed Red, the one that's going to take place in Japan, and that the game director on that is apparently one of the like chronic uh, like uh, workplace sexual fiends. Um, that's like really inappropriate with harassment and stuff like that. And, the, and he's one of the main people who I guess a lot of people point out when they feel like a, um, Ubisoft hasn't really tried to fix a lot of their um, inherent issues and their kind of deep seated issues. And uh, I, I think that uh, apparently they're having trouble like fully staffing and stuff because people don't want to work there with him. So we'll have to see what comes of that. Uh, other things in it was uh, like the Mario and Rabbids Sparks of Hope game. I don't have a Switch. I'm not really interested in turn-based games. But I remember how extremely well um, the original Mario and Rabbids game was received. Uh, people seem only more excited about this one. Uh, so just 
for anything, this is a win for Ubisoft partnering with Nintendo, uh, having a game that has, I mean, they, like there's Ubisoft developers who are being allowed to make Mario, like to model Mario. And, you know, like it's, that's a big deal. And so I saw some people, especially division two fans being like, they, they spent more time talking about Mario and Rabbids than the division. And in my message is, yeah, they did because that IP is worth more than all of their IP put together. So yeah, they're going to focus on Mario and Rabbids because Mario getting to work with Nintendo is a huge deal for them. So, uh, yeah, that, that it's, I understand why people are very like about their own thing, but like you, the show wasn't for division fans. This show was for Assassin's Creed fans and it was also for all of Ubisoft. So that's the way it is. And then I have on here as the fourth thing as just a bunch of crap, my God, a bunch of mobile games. Um, uh, God, like they're still making stuff for, um, uh, oh, there's multiple games. And of course I can't think of them off the top of my head. Um, like the crew, apparently there's people playing that Ridge riders or, uh, or, or riders Republic or whatever. I don't get it. Um, it, like there can't be that many people playing those games, but here they are giving them like six, seven, eight years of content or, or, or seasons, not years necessarily. But so on one hand, I'm like, well, Hey, you know, for the probably fairly small number of people who are playing those games, uh, Ubisoft is giving them stuff to play. And that's super cool. On the other hand, Ubisoft is wasting a ton of resources on these things that like no one's asking for. Uh, but you know, maybe the people are, maybe I'm an idiot and maybe, uh, there's an audience for all of this. Maybe the crew two has more active players than the division two. I have no idea. Not that that's really a big goal, but still, uh, I don't know. Just watching that show, it just made me like shake my head and just like, re it's always a reminder of like, they, they seem like they're trying to get on course with Assassin's Creed. They're letting seeds just keep on printing money. And then they just seems like they're just throwing everything at the wall. Otherwise they're just going for it and they don't have, it's, I don't know. It seems like Ubisoft doesn't have a direction. It seems like it just has a bunch. I bet there's like five or six like head honchos there who are just all kind of pushing their own agendas. And I think that's what we see in their output, but I don't know. It was an okay show. The Assassin's Creed thing was great. The division part was really disappointing. There was a few cool things in there. There was a bunch of crap in there too. Um, it was cool to get an Ubisoft show though, because I think it's been quite a while. So the next show of note was the Nintendo Direct um, for full, um, just full honesty. I am not really a big Nintendo fan. I haven't owned a Nintendo system. Um, there's a pretty solid chance I haven't owned a Nintendo system since uh, the Game Boy Color. So uh, this didn't personally have a ton of interest to me, um, but a lot of the um, uh, podcasts I listen to and, and journalists I kind of keep up with and stuff, they talked a lot about it. So I figured it was at least uh, worth bringing up. The headline of the show was the last thing, of course, uh, was Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, this is a sequel to... Um, 
the the most recent one, of course, I'm not going to remember it off the top of my head, uh, but it was the big like open world, like it, you know, it's basically what every open world game is compared to now. And um, when they talk about things like Elden Ring and stuff like that, like them ta- from software taking their Souls formula to the open world was obviously really, really um, inspired by the last Zelda game, and uh, even a game. Um, like oh what the uh, phoenix phoenix rising uh from ubisoft which i thought was a gem i thought it was a great game was not a copy of breath of the wild there we go i remembered um but 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 took a lot from it and then kind of did their own thing which i love that game i thought it was great um and i'm really curious to see uh, what they do with this next one, because there were a bunch of very controversial things that they did in Breath of the Wild, like all of your weapons having durability, like even like I think that there was I haven't played it, but I believe that you can get to a point where there's a weapon that doesn't have durability. But in theory, all your weapons break eventually and uh, and you have to take that into account. So either way, obviously, like a, a Zelda game, it, no matter when it comes out, is going to be one of the most anticipated games out there and this is definitely going to be there and i believe it's coming next year so so for the people running on the switch that that is of such an interesting situation because anything they put out will sell so many millions of copies but like if nintendo didn't make so much money on their hardware they would be so much better off just being a third-party developer and just putting these games like this zelda game even without like it could keep its art style, but just think if like they could put it on Xbox and PlayStation at like 120 frames and 4k, it would be beautiful. And instead people are going to have to play it at like 25 FPS at like 480p on a switch. I just, uh, I don't know. It, It seems like it seems like they should try something else, but Hey, why would they, they're making bank. Uh, another big announcement was Pikmin 4. Um, you know, the Pikmin games are maybe not like a premier franchise for Nintendo, but definitely an extremely notable one. Um, and I, I think that um, the timing is interesting because a game came out on Game Pass and all the other platforms called Tinykin recently, which is essentially a Pikmin clone. But it's getting very well reviewed and people are really enjoying it. I played it for a little while and it was really cool. Not really my style, but a very solid game. So them announcing Pikmin 4 is probably coincidental, um, but definitely will probably be helped by Tinykin's success because people are going to want like the OG version of that game. And um, I think uh, Pikmin 4 is probably going to do that. Uh, Octopath Traveler 2 got announced. I think that Octopath Traveler is one of the most boring games I've ever attempted to play in my entire life, but I fully recognize its importance and its greatness in the video game uh, world. So, I, you know, it'd be dumb to not acknowledge, one, it's a great game and I'm the idiot, and two, that a sequel to it is a big deal. And so, um, 1000%, not my cup of tea, but a... Um, a game that's probably going to do real well and will be another banger for Nintendo. Uh, Bayonetta three, uh, was shown another trailer that, that was already announced. Um, I remember the first Bayonetta being like one of my favorite games I'd ever played. I haven't played anything since then. Um, it was just such a unique game. 
Um, and back then the graphics weren't even good enough to care about the Bobas, you know, but it, it's definitely a very risque, uh, game that kind of knows what it's doing. Um, but it's, it was just really neat. And so, you know, I, I wish it wasn't locked down onto a platform. I don't play. Um, I don't remember what I even played it on, uh, the first one. So people who have a switch and are excited about that, get your Bobas. Um, and then finally the uh, GoldenEye 007. So this was a really interesting situation because this had been rumored for a long time, but what's actually happening are two games are being released. Uh, the Nintendo one, which they announced here, which is literally, I believe, basically a port of the original GoldenEye game from the N64. Uh, obviously updated a little so the new controllers and stuff like that work. And it's going to have... And so this is a really interesting thing. Oh, actually, I'll wait. It's going to have online play, but I will explain why it's not really online. It just kind of is. The other thing that's happening is that a remastered GoldenEye game is also releasing on Game Pass on the Xbox. Uh, so it's, they're two separate games. They aren't the same skew. Like they're, they're two different games, but they're going to get released at the same time. If you're younger, you may not remember this. I barely remember this, but there was a time in like the eighties and nineties when you had like seven different consoles or platforms and none of them had the same specs and some were much more powerful than others. So you would have games like I'm thinking like, I think there was like a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game that would get released on all of the platforms, but they would literally be developed by different developers they'd be completely different games or another good example is um you have a game that would get released in the arcade and on like a console but they'd be two completely different games they have the same names they may even have the same basic premise and and and, and share like art styles and stuff but they would be two different games and, and and often one was really good and one sucked uh one or you know and that may be dependent on your your personal preference and that's kind of what's going on with goldeneye now, what's wild is that the Xbox version will not have online play. It will have four-player co-op, so you can do, like, four-player like you could on the N64 and do a deathmatch on one screen, but you can't do it otherwise. But the Nintendo version will have online play, sort of, and the way they're doing it is what it's essentially going to happen is when you do the multiplayer, uh, I assume it'll be a player host, and then the three other people who load into the game will actually, um, you won't have your own screen is what people think. What they think they're going to basically do is that the three people will join your game and, and you will all see the same screen. It will be like you are in the same room on the same TV, but it's going to basically remote three people in. And so there's a thought, and I don't think it's been disproven or proven yet, but there's a thought that there's a good chance that even on that tiny little switch screen, you're going to see all four people's point of views. And it's going to be just like you're sitting in front of a TV with your three friends sitting beside you, but it's going to be three strangers somewhere else. Um, now it, they, they may try to do something where when you go into the multiplayer mode, it expands your screen, but which means it's going to be like terrible. It's going to look so bad, but yeah, the, the predominant thought is that it's, it's going to be like 
kind of like rigged up multiplayer, uh, which is really interesting. Um, and considering how renowned Nintendo's online is for being bad, I'm really curious to see how that works out in the long run. Okay, so Sony State of Play was the final big show this week. Um, I didn't find it to be all that notable. I'm also not a big Sony fan, um, but I am a fan of games. Um, so they opened it up with a Tekken 8 like um, scene or, or a little cinematic. It looked super cool. It looked great. Um, later on, they kind of came out and they're like, that was a in-engine trailer and it was all running like real time, not pre-rendered. And like that was cool because it did look very impressive, but like at this point, that's kind of the norm. I'm fairly certain. I don't. I think most games are doing that. So it, it kind of. I, I feel like sometimes Sony has kind of a, a habit of like they kind of remind me of Apple a little bit, where they take like kind of mundane things and kind of act like they're like revolutionary, um, but. That's fine. It, it doesn't hurt anyone. I'm sure Tekken 8 is going to be super, super good. The headline of this show, obviously, was God of War Ragnarok. Um, I honestly thought it was a pretty lame show uh, until the end when the God of War Ragnarok came on and probably had the best trailer a game has ever had, or at least in the top five or whatever, even if you're not interested in it. I love the original God of War games. I had no, I have no interest in playing the 2018 one. I know it's like a masterpiece. But I just hate that like super low, um, uh, oh, what's it called? Um, just that super close angle over the shoulder. Like that's not God of War. Um, I've watched the videos. I've seen the story summaries. Like I know it's a great story. People love it for a good reason. Not hating on that. But the actual game, I don't, I hate that tight angle. Like it's just, the, it's so claustrophobic. And so it looks like the new one's going to be the same way. So I'm not super interested, but that trailer was bonkers and um, pretty justifiably has people pretty hyped. I do think it's kind of weird that there's so many people already proposing the whole like, well, is it going to be Elden Ring or God of War? Because God of War is not out yet. I'm sure it's going to be extremely good. But as I've seen a lot of people bring up, and I think I've talked about it before, it's going to be the sequel to a masterpiece. And it's going to try to do a few new things, but I doubt it's going to be like, oh my God, this is the best thing that's ever happened. But maybe it will be like, that's the thing. The issue is, and the reason I always have such trouble with the idea of making a, a platform exclusive game, especially a console exclusive, a game of the year is because if it's like a multi-platform game, like Elden Ring, there's no homerism about it. Everyone has it, so everyone can love it or hate it. But with a game like God of War, if it comes out and it's like a good game, but doesn't break any big boundaries, and it's just like a solid like 8.5 out of 10, all of the journalists and creators and fans who have PlayStations are going to rep it 10 out of 10, even if it's not. And then, and then a lot of the people who aren't part of that ecosystem are just are going to pan it or just not care. And so no matter what, you aren't going to get an honest read on that game the way that you will get a more honest read on a multi-platform game. So whenever those discussions happen about like game of the year and stuff like, like I will argue until I'm dead that the God of War 2018, no matter how good it was, 
it wasn't as good as Red Dead Redemption 2 in 2018. And there's no way it should have gotten um, from a technical point of view, even from a narrative point of view, from a gameplay point of view. I refuse to believe that that game was actually better. But I think it got that boost from being an exclusive and from... I have noticed, and this is very anecdotal, that it seems like a lot of games media are Sony fans. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's super cool. You like what you like. Sony's been kicking ass for years. If you're a journalist, you're probably excited to play a PlayStation exclusive, and you're probably not excited to play Crackdown 3. Like, I get it. The problem is, is that I think that, you know, that ends up kind of making awards a game of the years and stuff, maybe a little bit less, uh, serious. Uh, but maybe that's just me making stuff up. I don't know. That's a good thing that you can comment on down below and let me know what you think. Regardless, the God of War Ragnarok trailer was one of the best trailers I've ever seen. Um, and I'm sure that game's going to be wildly good. Uh, they showed off some PSVR two games. I think it's cool that PlayStation has gotten into the VR thing. I also think that VR is like one of the biggest like overhyped things in the world that even when it, when, even when it's good, it's still very mediocre. And then there was actually news today, uh, not to do with this conference, but that, that none of the PS VR games will work on PS VR too, because they're two completely different systems. Um, like the PSVR used like a camera and, and different types of controls where the PSVR two is going to be much more advanced and won't have a camera. So all the games that depend on a camera won't work. Now I've thrown out my little, uh, speculation brain tells me in a couple of years, a bunch of the good games that were on PSVR that people liked will get ported to PSVR 2 and they're going to charge out the ass for them things even if you paid for it already because they can because people will pay for it uh, because because Sony gonna make that money and good for them they they make a lot of money uh, there was a Pacific Drive game that was like a, a driving horror game which seemed really really interesting and then the game called Stellar Blade that had been renamed it was called something else before um, I thought it looked really cool it had like if you if you remember the uh was it Metal Gear Solid Revengeance uh where you played as uh Raiden, right? The with the sword and you could like chop people into like 50 pieces and it was just like this wild game. It was like really dumb but also like in a good way. Well, that seems like that's kind of what it's going for here. Um like a Tomb Raider Revengeance thing. It it, it was interesting. It was very visually appealing. Um, and it had jiggle physics on the, on the bobas, uh, which was, uh, kind of panned quite a bit because that hasn't really been a thing since like dead or alive volleyball back in like 2008. But, um, it genuinely did look like an interesting game. The problem is it also had big vibes of like an unreal five engine demo, um, where like it just, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see how it plays. It's a game I am interested in. Unfortunately, I assume if it was in this show, it's not coming to Xbox, at least not anytime soon. Uh, but maybe I'll hit PC and I can check it out there. And that was the Sony State of Play. There was obviously other stuff, but that's what I'm going to cover. Uh, there's two more stories that kind of hit today that um, I am kind of bummed about, but we'll talk about them. Uh, so G4, uh, the, the it's a, uh, well, it's a Twitch channel, but it's on my TV too, which is 
pretty interesting. Uh, Fanbyte, which is a journalism website, a video game reviewing website and stuff like that. And same with uh, Future, uh, which I guess is based in the UK. I haven't heard of them, but they all got hit with pretty big layoffs. Um, I don't know much about G4 or Future, but I do know the Fanbyte. Um, they're owned by Tencent, and this was a moment of... It seemed like there was kind of a panic move by Tencent to significantly shrink Fanbyte, and now a bunch of people need jobs. Um, it bummed me out because uh, I'm a big Kind of Funny fan, uh, so the Kind of Funny podcast and family, they have a whole bunch of podcasts they do, and I enjoy almost all of them. Um, and for a while, a guy named Imran Khan uh, was on there pretty often while he was finding a new job, which was Fanbyte. Um he, you know, seems like he was doing well there. He was, I think he was their chief editor and now he just got laid off again. Um, so that's a bummer. Hopefully he'll get to be on KF a little bit. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. I assume they'll have him, but I don't think kind of funny for a lot of people is a full-time gig. Um, so we'll see where he lands as well as all of those other people. I do think there is an interesting maybe topic to briefly hit in that there are a lot of video game publications and which what's interesting about it to me is that it it's a, it's a bummer but it it can't be surprising when this stuff happens because that form of media in that that medium in general is struggling when it comes to local news when it comes to national news you know it's all about you know you know video and stuff like that now and so any websites that depend on articles and stuff like that uh, for any kind of news are struggling. And so to me, like you, you know, that that's a challenge right now in general. And then you see so many video game, uh, websites and publications. And so to me, it just seems like, well, yeah, like obviously, you know, now it is weird that these bigger publications, uh, G4 is a pretty big deal. Fanbyte, pretty big deal. I assume future is too, that they are the ones who are struggling and firing people. Um, game informer is another one. That's more of its connection to GameStop and their, and their issues. Uh, but there's a bunch of this where, um, it seems like maybe there's a little bit of like oversaturation. Um, there's also a lot of like really low quality stuff, at least in my opinion. Um, I know like the big meme is to make fun of Kotaku or Kotaku and, and they deserve it a lot of the times. A lot of their articles are very cringy in my opinion, just very clickbaity stuff. Um, but they're probably doing okay because they're probably driving, you know, readership. And the simple fact is, is that gaming is such a weird, just like any other art, is such a um, subjective medium that, you know, whether it's reviewing movies or music or whatever, books, things like that, um, it seems like especially games are hard to quantify and rate and review because they aren't just a medium that you're viewing or experiencing the way you do a book or a movie or music. Um, that has their own subjective issues, but you, it also requires like a level of skill and preference on the reviewer's part. And so I think that adds like another layer to the difficulty of reviewing games and covering games from like a journalistic standpoint. And, um, you know, I've seen lots of conversations from people in my own discord and things like that about, you know, not being satisfied with the level of journalism here. I think most of them are trying to do the best they can. I look at gaming journalism as getting one person's personal take and not them necessarily being like, you should think what I think, but instead being like, this is what I think. 
And the way I've done it is I've tried to find five or 10 reviewers who I've figured out have like a similar taste to mine and really give a lot of weight to them, but then also try to get other takes as well that I'm maybe not as big of a fan of. Um, but yeah, I mean, beyond all of that, the layoffs suck. People's livelihoods being messed up sucks. Um, you know, obviously I hope these people are able to find new positions doing something. Um, you know, I'm sure it's probably not super easy right now. Um, I saw some people being like, well, they should just like start their own YouTube channels and podcast and stream and have a Patreon and stuff. It ain't that easy, man. It really isn't. A lot of these people have at least some connection in the industry, so it might help a little bit. But a big thing I saw on uh, Jeff Grubb is a uh, is a podcaster and, and, and kind of media gaming personality I really like. And even he talked about it like he can't give advice to people because the way he came up doesn't exist anymore. Um, he, he came up on like AOL chat rooms uh, in video game chat rooms and he got to know people and then they ended up all getting each other jobs in the, in the, in the industry. And now that's, that's all of these people we know about it is people who found their way that way. And you can't do that today. That's not how it works today. Um, and there's more people than ever trying to make it. It's just, it's difficult. And so I feel bad for these people and I really hope that most of them can land or I hope all of them, not most, I hope they can all land on their feet in some capacity. Uh, then the final story was something that hit like just a couple hours ago before I recorded um, Gamers uh, Nexus uh, put out a big um, uh, video that uh, was breaking some pretty huge news in the PC hardware and gaming uh, universe uh, where he had an exclusive story uh, after meeting with the upper echelon people of EVGA, who's a big hardware manufacturer. Um, who is saying that after this current generation of GPUs, they will not be making GPUs anymore. And that's the 30 series, not the 40 series that's coming. Uh, the 30 series, and they're done. Uh, and that they're, that's all that operation's already ramping down because the 40 series is about to come out. And EVGA is trying to keep enough like hardware and stuff around for like returns of their hardware and stuff. So, um it's pretty big news. Uh, I have to imagine EVGA, I don't know if they sell the most GPUs of all of the NVIDIA related companies, but they certainly sell the best in my opinion. They, they definitely, in, in my research and my personal experience, I, I've had four NVIDIA cards at least. Um, I've never had an issue with one of them. So, um, I'm honestly bummed. They are my favorite G they're my, my GPU company of choice. And so, um, I don't plan on getting a new GPU anytime soon. Um, but them leaving the market is huge. Uh, and they're, and they are citing that they're having issues with, um, uh, with, with just Nvidia kind of jerking them around and being just not a very good partner. And so, uh, they're willing to give up 80% of their revenue. That's how much of the money that in, that EVGA makes off of GPUs. They're they're gonna give that up. So unfortunately, much like the last story, that probably means a whole bunch of jobs that are gonna be lost. And they claim they won't fire anyone, but at some point, you know, probably at least half of their staff is gonna be redundant because they were there to work on GPUs. So that's gonna be a very interesting story. When you, if you go check out the video at Gamers Nexus, when you do get a feeling that this 
almost feels like it's like the EVGA, like president kind of throwing a fit and being upset about something. And so something tells me that maybe one day this won't be true anymore. This may be a temporary thing, but that is not the way they're talking about it. And I've learned that you take people at their word until you have a reason to believe differently. So, okay. So that's the, that's the general news. Uh, just a quick reminder that if you are enjoying this podcast or any of my other content, please consider supporting at patreon.com slash bond diesel, or by subscribing over at twitch.tv slash bond diesel. Okay, so we have some uh, Division and Mass Effect news. Uh, both have are pretty notable this week. Um, for the, the Division, we had a Season 10 live stream. So on Monday, this last Monday, um, the day before Season 10 dropped, they did a bit of a, a stream. I'm going to be totally honest. It was pretty redundant, in my opinion. Um, they, they gave some good info, and they answered some questions, and that was all cool. The only thing of note I really found was that they gave a little preview of the new mode that is hopefully, but not guaranteed, coming with Season 11, which is going to be the Descent mode. And they basically described it as a roguelite. Uh, so if you think of games like Dead Cells and things like that, um, it's going to be that idea where you start off uh, with, with, with very little, you work your way up, and you basically go as long as you can is supposedly the idea. Um, I thought it would be like you would get better weapons and gear, but they kind of made it sound like it's going to be like skills and stuff. I didn't fully understand what they meant. Um, so I'm kind of curious to see more about that in like three months. It's going to be a while. Um, and that was kind of the most notable thing during that stream. Now on Tuesday for the division two, um, season 10 actually came out. Um, I will throw it out there immediately. I haven't jumped really into it yet. I intended to stream it, but I've been busy. It just hasn't happened. Um, I think that uh, just from kind of paying attention to um, just everything that's going on, though, it certainly kind of seems like uh, it's a bit buggy. Um, it is uh, maybe not going real well. Um, there's a bunch of stuff. I saw stuff today like people's commendations aren't triggering because the whole stat tracking system appears to not be working. Uh, there's the assault rifles. A bunch of them have their assault rifle damage switched out for rifle damage for some reason. Um, there's just a bunch of weird stuff going on. Um, and you know, I've been really optimistic and, and tried to be very glass half full about um, the division uh, in general as a, as a franchise um, and especially as a uh, with the division two and what they've been trying to do and stuff like that. Um, but this is pretty bad and it's especially frustrating because this is a really content light season. Whereas like last season had a new mode next season will probably have a new mode and things like that. This has like some new guns and gear and they added some more difficulty levels, which are all notable things, but they're pretty minor in the big scheme and the big scope. And the fact that it's like an even more buggy release than normal is just rough. Um, and then like, I noticed they still haven't fixed uh, like the two guns that came, the TKB and the GR9, I think they didn't fix their models. They their attachment points are all jacked up. Their skins are all screwed up. Still, I I don't. It, it's it's frustrating, and 
and I'm not going to jump on some train of being like, oh, they're idiots, blah, 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 because it's pointless. Um, it, it, I do get frustration because this is a patch that kind of seemed like it should have been pretty tight because they weren't really putting a ton into it. Um, at least in my opinion, that's my take. And, uh, and yet still it was pretty bad. So I'm kind of hanging a little bit to see if any of the bigger issues are fixed pretty quickly before I jump in and do the manhunt. I am excited about the manhunt. Um, it, it seems like the story is going some cool places. So, um, I am excited to, uh, experience that, but that's kind of where I'm at. Okay. Mass effect news, uh, actually two really exciting things. Um, so the first one just happened a couple hours ago as well. Uh, Mike Gamble, who's the, the director of the whole next game doesn't tweet often. He, is very quiet, like literally like maybe every two or three weeks, maybe once a month, he says something. And sometimes it has nothing to do with the game. Today, it has to do with the next game. So his tweet reads, quote, had an absolutely wonderful week with the leadership team on the next Mass Effect game. The energy was incredible, and it was really awesome to see everyone show their passion when they presented. That's all it was. So what that insinuates is that they must have had some big, like all hands on deck meeting, I assume today, uh, in this, and maybe this week as a whole, where if I had to go completely speculation, completely guessing, um, they were probably, they're probably maybe real deep in the conceptual phases of the game and all of the different leads, all of the different directors came together and they kind of showed where they're at, the, their ideas, what they are working on. So you're going to be talking about people like from the narrative team saying, okay, well, here's what we have. Here's what we're thinking for the story. And you're going to have people from like the environmental team and the, you know, the, the, like the script, like the, uh, like the character team, the modeling team from all of these different positions, basically throwing out their thing. And, and then that's when they start to kind of put that vision together. So um, it's, that's really exciting. Um, one thing I, I've talked about a lot about this, but like, as of right now, there's only one opening for mass effect, as far as I can tell. Um, and it's their environmental director job. Um, everything else has been filled, um, at one point or another over the last year or so, uh, there's been like five or six director positions open and now they're all filled beside the one. Um, and there's been a bunch of other side job, like, like lower level jobs as well. And as far as I can tell, they're all filled. So, um, stuff like that is really exciting. Like stuff is happening. Um, I suspect that wouldn't surprise me at all if today was a big deal because around now is probably when they would start preparing stuff for in seven day. So if they're going to do a trailer, if they're going to do some type of drop of some kind of significant info, a meeting like today, like, like what he's talking about, this like all hands on deck thing would be pretty important because they don't want to show anything that isn't like the direction they're moving. So, um, yeah, exciting in my opinion. Very cool. Uh, nice to hear. I am going to do like a separate video about this, a real quick one, um, just to kind of give my thoughts on it more in depth. Um, but I did want to talk about it here because it's anything it's, it, I don't expect a lot of info. I think we might get something cool on in seven day this year here in about a month and a half. Um, but I really think the next year is going to be very focused on dragon age and uh, Dreadwolf. Um, because I think that's going to come out about a year from now. And, um, 
they, they probably don't want to compete too much with themselves. Uh, and then I suspect after that comes out is when they'll start pushing Mass Effect a lot more. But we'll have to wait and see. Uh, the second thing here with Mass Effect was really uh, kind of a not really that big of a story, but something I felt like was worth mentioning. Um, Mark Dara, the former uh, Bioware dev, uh, put out a video called Bioware's uh, Bioware, the Golden Age. Um, kind of talking about this whole thing among the gaming community about talking about this like this window that Bioware had where they made all of these incredible games from like uh, Mass Effect 1 to Dragon Age Inquisition and he kind of went delved into that but something he said that was really interesting towards the end was talking about true sequels and how true sequels to games are kind of looked down on because the you know you're rehashing you're building on a previous like you aren't making something original but then he talked about how important tree sequels can be and how they tend to be very successful and he specifically mentioned how andromeda was not he was the lead on andromeda andromeda was not a sequel to mass effect 3 and that the next mass effect game will not be a sequel to andromeda now this was like an off-the-cuff thing this is him all he's actually saying is you know andromeda wasn't a direct sequel to 3 and the next game won't be a direct sequel to Andromeda. But that is notable, even if it's just amongst the community. Because one, Mark knows stuff. He hasn't been there for over a year. I'm sure he still has conversations. I'm sure he just knew stuff before he left that's still pertinent. And there's people in the Mass Effect community who think that Andromeda is Mass Effect 4. Um, you you see this really passive-aggressive uh uh, way of expressing it uh, when you see people will say Mass Effect 5 the next game will be Mass Effect 5 it won't be Mass Effect 4 because Mass Effect 4 already happened um, my whole take on it is that Andromeda I believe was meant to be a new set of a new trilogy and so it wasn't part of the original trilogy it was supposed to be like a spin-off trilogy and that didn't happen because we know why and so that that's one part of it and then him just coming out and just saying the next game won't be a sequel to andromeda even though i would argue pretty heavily that the next game has already been pretty heavily hinted to be a sequel to mass effect 3 to the trilogy and not andromeda there are people who are steadfast and digging their heels in that the next game will be like andromeda 2 of some type and I think him saying that, at least in some capacity, pushes back on that idea, which is personally very gratifying because I don't, this game can't be Andromeda 2. It, it needs to get back to the roots, kind of what uh, Assassin's Creed Mirage is doing. They, they kind of need to maybe play off some nostalgia, get back to the roots, you know, settle everything down, and then maybe one day we can get a sequel to Andromeda or something. But um, I think that Mark was being very matter of fact and being very accurate about what he was saying. But I do think that there's at least something worth getting in there and maybe speculating a bit about what he said. Okay, that's what I have for the news today. So some listener questions. Um, if you have any gaming news stories, topics, or questions for me to talk about on the podcast, please join my Discord. Uh, the link should be in the description of whatever you're watching. Uh, and ask questions uh, in the questions or topics chat room. Uh, this week we have a question from Legolas on the Shelf. Uh, speaking about the crowbar from last week, if you didn't see the end of the last podcast, I suggest it or listen to it. Uh, my wife thought someone broke into our house. 
and I ran away from the podcast mid-talking and grabbed a crowbar and went downstairs to investigate. And it was a, a, a bit of a ha-ha funny once we realized it was uh, our printer making noise. Um, but Legolas uh, says, which video game weapon would you like to own in real life? Personally, I love the shotgun from the original Bioshock. I mean, I'm sorry. There is one answer to this question, and it's the gravity gun from Half-Life 2. I'm done. That's it. There's no other answer. Because that, it would just be, it's just so OP in so many cool ways. Yeah, so that's my simple answer. I don't even have much of an explanation. If you haven't played, uh, if you haven't played Half Life Two, then you need to, and you'll understand. Um, it's pretty dated at this point. I suspect. I actually don't think you should play it right now because it probably doesn't feel great. But yep, easy question, uh, great question. Master Prime had a few questions this week. In which fictional world would you like to live as a day-to-day person? So, uh, like in games, what world seems like it wouldn't be too bad to live in? Um, I think being a wealthy person in basically any of them would be cool. (laughs) Uh, So let's say... um, Should I be lazy? I'll be lazy a very rich person in the mass effect universe because you can just hide. You can just go and be hyper rich and have everything you need and disappear. Uh, do you like, uh, like easy RPGs or hardcore ones? I'm definitely like an easy RPG guy, more hardcore RPGs, like the, the really deep stuff, especially the turn-based combat games and stuff like that. I just don't, I'm not into it. I'm very much a action and adventure RPG type of player. Uh, and that's definitely what I prefer. And then the final question for Master Prime is dating tips. Uh, I think that this was kind of a joke, and it might as well be. Um, I've been with my wife. We started dating in 2010, and it's uh, I was I was uh, like 21 or something. So I basically haven't dated in my adult life. I've been with one person as an adult. Um, I dated pretty prolifically. Believe it or not, I used to be uh, a lot smaller than this, and I uh, was much more attractive at one point in my life, and dated pretty prolifically. And um, when it comes to thinking back to then, like what I would do differently or what I did well, I guess it would be you know, the more you're looking for dating, the less it's probably going to happen. Um, all I felt like all of my good relationships kind of came almost as a surprise. Um, and to, and to genuinely just be yourself. Um, and while it may not be, uh, as useful for dating at at a younger age, it does pay off in the long run to, um, if you start off being yourself, you're just allowed to be yourself. You'll be happy. And that tends to be a good thing. So good questions. Um, I did run a few polls that uh, I'm going to start talking about those a little bit at the end of these shows like this. Uh, so I did a poll, uh, this was on Twitter. Uh, what is the most important to you in listening to the EchoCast podcast? Um, the Division and Mass Effect news tied at 41% each. And then gaming news and listener questions tied at 9% each. About. So um, I honestly, this poll has made me almost consider that maybe I should switch my sections and start the podcast off every week with the Division and Mass Effect news and maybe flip flop them for whoever actually has something uh, significant. And then do my little ad break 
and then do the general gaming news after that and then listener questions. Maybe front load the show with what people are there for or keep it the way it is now and have people have to listen. Or if you use the time codes, you can just skip. That's up to you. So um, good info there. Um, another one I asked was, do you think it's fair for AAA video games to be $70 now? This is U.S. prices. Obviously, translate that into whatever you have. Um, it was interesting. This was uh, this had like 150 votes on it. Um, it was 44.9% yes, 55.1% no. So about 50-50 saying that they understand why it's 70 or it's going to be 70 and the other half not thinking it's right. Um I already talked about this, uh, I, I, but I think it's interesting that it's such a split. Uh, but I bet that 55% that says no is probably still going to pay it. Um, but it's also going to increase the value of services like Game Pass and you know things like if, if Sony decides to make their service like more competitive with Game Pass, it will make those services much, much more lucrative. Uh, and then the final one was, do you think 343, the developer of Halo, um, should be the developer of the next major Halo game? And this was 30% yes, 70% no. And it's weird because I agree with the take that some people have had of like, well, who will do it then? But if this Activision deal goes through, uh, we, we didn't even talk about that drama that got a little more escalated this week. Um, but it's probably still going to go through. And there's going to be a bunch of devs who I think could probably give us a very different take on halo for better or worse depending on how you look at it and i think it may not be the worst idea in the world so we'll have to see okay so some content updates uh i will have a mass effect in seven day giveaway happening uh starting october 7th i have about 250 300 worth of merch sitting over there that i will be giving away to one lucky person uh, so keep an eye out for details on that um, after doing a little bit of research and a little bit of poking at the community, um, I am going to try to knock down to about two videos a week on YouTube, not including this podcast. Uh, I think I'm going to try to do something where I release a video every Tuesday and then every either uh, Thursday or Friday, depending on time. Um, my idea is to focus on just kind of general commentary videos. It seems like people are enjoying those um, reviews. If there's anything that catches my eye that I like play really seriously and feel like I can review um, and then gameplay videos, basically if I have nothing else to post, um, if any significant mass effect or the division news drops, um, I'll cut a quick video to put out like the same day. Uh, but I still want to stick to those two like more, significant videos a week like i'm as soon as i finish this i'm probably gonna record a video for mike gamble's tweet it'll be like five minutes but it'll still be to just kind of do that quick like hey in case you didn't see this here's my thoughts on it um so thank you for those who gave me feedback on the youtube thing i had mentioned last week that i had gone almost a whole month with posting a video every day and it didn't really help anything and in fact i think i ended up losing subscribers so you know uh, it was worth a shot. Uh, and then the final thing here is, uh, I will uh, be showing if you're a patron or if you're a patron or you want to be a Patreon supporter. Um, I do have a little graphic that I've made up that will start, uh, be at the beginning of all my videos to kind of give some visual, uh, recognition to those who are willing to kind of help me, uh, financially and help me kind of justify the time I spend on this stuff and upgrade my rig and upgrade my software and upgrade my camera is the big one I want to do. And if it ever gets big enough, I would love to use the money to go to like E3 or something like that next year. So, uh, so, it, you know, 
that there's a little added bonus that I do have a little graphic that you can get your own little shout out. Um, those that graphic will not be on gameplay videos or Twitch VODs just because the way I do those, it wouldn't make sense. It, it, uh, it would be overly difficult to do that. So, so there's the content updates. We're going to wrap this baby up. Um, please subscribe to the show. Uh, on your favorite podcast platform. And if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please rate the podcast. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like the video and comment down below. Even if it's just to help the algorithm, you can find me all over the internet as bond diesel, including on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, or over on Twitch. If you're interested in supporting the show, my other content and getting some perks, uh, please check out patreoncom slash bond diesel. That is all I have. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.